This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Protocol for Life Balance, offering a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out, which can help keep your blood vessels healthy and your circulatory system working properly, including Protocol's unique soy-free form of vitamin K2 that has been shown to promote healthy vascular structures, and D3, which helps maintain healthy blood levels of calcium. They're available in several forms and dosages, including a new combined formulation, which harnesses the synergistic effects of both K2 and D3. They're backed by solid scientific data and available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. Thank you for joining me, and thank you for your emails. I appreciate your questions, topics of interest. You can email me to radioprogram at AOL.com. That's radioprogram at AOL.com. So can our connection to the natural world shape our microbiome? Absolutely. In case case you're wondering, our microbiome can be shaped fairly easily, depending on, obviously, what foods you're eating, maybe not so obvious. Changes in your diet, your microbiome will respond to that. Who you're with, the people you're with in your household, in your life, we all share that little bit of holobiome, as Dr. Stephen Gundry of Plant Paradox calls it. It's like a holobiome. We're kind of uh, wrapped in this biome that we're walking around with and in. You know, it's not just inside or on our skin. It's kind of in our airspace, in our little force field, if you will, if if I may call it that. So our microbiome is shaped by a whole lot of things. And this particular, uh, this particular bit of information here comes from the Institute for Functional Medicine. Can our connection to the natural world shape our microbiome? And the word connection carries a whole lot of weight, doesn't it? Especially now in the time of COVID-19. Is it true that all forms of life are interconnected? And what does that mean? Humans and other microbial communities in nature have been evolving together for billions of years. But how connected are we truly to the landscape outside of our bodies? Can urbanized lifestyles exposure to pollution, and the consumption of nutrient-depleted and synthetic foods contribute to dysbiotic health patterns? The short answer is yes. These are just some of the questions scientists are beginning to explore as they expand their understanding of the environment microbiome health axis and examine What happens inside the body when humans are disconnected 
from their natural surroundings. This branch of research actually centers around a hypothesis that is based on the idea that humans have co-evolved with microbiota in biodiverse environments and that this relationship is vital to the evolution and progression of resilient immune systems. In fact, one study estimates that approximately 22 to 36 percent of the interperson microbiome variability is associated with environmental factors and only 1.9 to 9 percent with genetics. So it's not all about nature, it's about nurture, right? This supports the view that humans are holobionts. I said holobiome a minute ago, didn't I? We are holobionts, a host plus trillions of microorganisms working symbiotically to form a functional ecological unit. Called microbioscape research, how interesting, this field of study examines the environmental microbiome and its relationship with people and nature. It also aims to understand the social implications and functional ecology of these communities with a focus on their importance for people, place, and nature. And I just want to, as, as an aside, something to put in the, in the margin or an important note, our microbiome, we are holobionts, our holobiomes, we also have a virome. That is, we are also enmeshed with many, 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 many viruses. In fact, uh, there is a Dr. Bush who asserts that, uh, I think, you know, t- uh, 38 to the 10th power or 38 million to the 10th or something like that, that we, if there was no, we have a microbiome, right? We also have a, a virobiome, if you would, which is really called a virome. And in fact, according to virologists, human mammals would not exist on planet Earth if it were not for viruses. Am I planting a seed in your head? Yes. Because one of the things that has begun to be addressed is about what is a virus, especially during this pandemic and the lockdowns and everything. People have had more time to do their research. What is a virus and the importance of viruses in our environment and how they may be, according to virologists in the know, a kind of a kind of genetic, a software update, update for our genes to some degree. Viruses have a very important role. So I, I let me go back to this, our, the, the idea that we are holobionts, a host plus trillions of microorganisms working symbiotically to form 
a functional ecological unit. That does include viruses. Recent research suggests that growing up in microbe-rich environments, like traditional farms, may have protective health effects on children. For example, an individual's proximity to green spaces and their associated microbiota may play a role in developing non-communicable diseases. In 2015, researchers showed that green space proximity was inversely associated with atonsitization in children. Four study cohorts comprising children and adolescents were used to analyze the prevalence of atopic sensitization. We're talking about, we're talking about sensitivities that occur. So by measuring serum IgE specific to inhalant allergens, right? From five land use types, forest, agricultural land, built areas, wetlands, and water bodies. The amount of green environment, forest, and agricultural land around the homes of study subjects were inversely associated with risk of atopic sensitization in children. So the more forest and agricultural land the kids were around, the less allergies they had. For example, land use pattern explained 20% of the variation in the relative abundance of proteobacteria on the skin of healthy individuals, supporting the hypothesis of a strong environmental effect uh, on the commensal microbiota. Another team found that residents living with higher surrounding biodiversity supported a higher diversity of immunoregulatory gamma proteobacteria. So when you're living in agricultural land, forest like that, not urban areas, you're surrounded with more biodiversity. And that helps support a higher, a higher diversity of your immunoregulatory bacteria called gamma proteobacteria. However, these health benefit, these beneficial health effects may be minimized if land use becomes more urbanized. Some researchers speculate that if early life exposure to environmental microbes increases gut microbiota diversity by influencing patterns of gut microbial assembly, then soil biodiversity loss due to land use changes such as urbanization could be considered a public health threat. Think about that. So researchers are actually speculating that early life exposure to these environmental microbes, which increases our microbiota diversity, then 
The soil biodiversity loss, the loss of the land, so to speak, to more urban, read concrete and stuff, could be considered a public health threat because it's messing with our microbiota, right? <clears throat> An interesting 2018 study investigated whether land use type around homes in Finland affected the diversity, richness, and abundance of bacterial communities indoors. Researchers evaluated debris deposited on doormats in 30 rural and 26 urban households. How interesting. What a petri dish, huh? Your doormat. Bacterial community composition was characterized for four different land use types, built area, forest, transitional, and open area. Within 200 and 2,000 meter radiuses from each household. The diversity of total bacteria, proteobacterial, actinobacterial, bacterioides, firmicutes, communities, decreased, these are all microbiota, I just mentioned to you, I just told you the names of them, you don't need to write them down. These communities decreased as the percentage of built area increased. Additionally, the relative abundance of potentially pathogenic bacterial families and genera increased as the percentage of built area increased. Interestingly, having domestic animals, including pets, only altered the association between the richness of gamma proteobacteria and the diversity of firmicutes or firmicutes with the built area coverage, suggesting that animal ownership minimally affects transfer of environmental microbiota outdoors from the living environment. So, urban dwelling groups may be less exposed to diverse microbiota from natural environments due to a range of socioeconomic factors, like lack of access to quality green spaces. People with lower socioeconomic status also tend to eat higher portions of ultra-processed foods and may face additional barriers to accessing affordable fruit and vegetables. It's true, they're in food deserts. We're talking about the ur urban areas, the lower uh, socioeconomic areas. They don't have, certainly they don't have any green space, and they also have food deserts. There aren't as many good quality groceries or even farmer's markets in some places to help toward that end so that people may have access to affordable produce. And it brings to mind when I was younger, and I, I'm sure it still exists, the Fresh Air Fund, where kids from urban areas can go and go to the country for a day. It's kind of like a day camp, camp, the Fresh Air Fund. I believe that's what it was. So that would be a fun thing to get kids out of the city 
and onto some grass and around some trees and take their shoes and socks off and run around. Remember, we want native uh, electromagnetic forces, native being from the earth, not the non-native like from your router and your Wi-Fi and all that stuff in your home or in your work environment. That's non-native EMF. That's the stuff that's not good for us. But the native EMF from the earth through your bare feet, that's the good stuff. It's good to walk around barefoot. Not, not on your sidewalk, but, you know, on the grass. And, of course, at the beach. So what are the clinical implications of all this? The bulk of the research into the microbioscape builds upon studies signifying the importance of the microbiome in human health, from processing nutrients to the modulation of inflammatory diseases and mood disorders. Dysbiosis of the gut microbiome of infants has been linked to an increased risk of asthma and allergic diseases. It's true. Some data points to the correlation between early life risk factors, including mode of delivery, lack of pets in the home, and early life antibiotic use, and changes in the structure of the gut microbiome that disrupt immune function. When they say including mode of delivery, that means a natural vaginal birth or a cesarean section. You get that microbiota via the vaginal canal during a vaginal birth. You don't get much during a C-section. That's what they're talking about. So the first uh, initiation of a newborn to microbiota is via the vaginal microbiota, vaginal birth. So all of this can impact changes in the structure of the gut microbiome that disrupt immune regulation and certainly early life antibiotic use, like a lot of antibiotic use for ear infections and things like that. All of this is being reevaluated now because of its disruption to the microbiome. Lack of microbial diversity in the urban environment may also lead to changes in the type, degree, and timing of microbial stimulation in early life. Dysbiosis has also been linked to an increased predisposition to chronic allergic conditions. This is known as the microflora hypothesis. So we know, you know, let me give you an example. When there's candida overgrowth, in the gut, that is dysbiosis, right? It's a type of dysbiosis. We see more allergies in these people, whether it's more food allergies, airborne allergies, pollen, animal dander, all that kind of thing. When we take care of the candida, when we take care of the dysbiosis in the gut, the allergies tend to diminish and even completely abate which is terrific. So as literature supporting the symbiotic relationship between humans, biodiverse environments, and microbial communities continues to grow, so too do strategies designed to benefit people and nature. 
For example, there's a continued interest in the role of nature-based health interventions. We call these NBIs. Yes, they created an acronym. NBI means nature-based health interventions. Like green prescribing, which can include therapeutic horticulture, biodiversity, biodiversity conservation activities, or activities like exercise in green spaces. Here's your prescription. Go bathe in a forest. Go spend some time outdoors in green spaces. Some researchers are looking at whether green infrastructure, like urban parks and community allotments, could be designed and managed to generate microbiome-associated health benefits. Others are examining the possibility of, quote, rewilding, end quote. What a great word. They're examining the possibility of rewilding environmental microbiomes by restoring urban ecosystems and their microbial communities to a state that benefits human health. A number of studies suggest potential benefits of NBIs, and in case you forgot what that is, nature-based health interventions, to facilitate health and well-being through the, quote, structured promotion of nature-based experiences, end quote. These include the development of public green space and nature prescriptions, where doctors or other health practitioners prescribe nature-based experiences for patients living with specific health conditions. A range of NBIs have been examined in the peer-reviewed scientific literature, including green prescriptions, wilderness therapy, green gyms, and outdoor exercise groups. It's important to note that many factors influence both the effectiveness and the success of NBIs and further longitudinal studies are needed. Today, over half the world's population lives in an urban setting. The United Nations projects that 66% of us will live in a built city environment within two decades. How will this shape and contribute to overall health? Will the integration of nature-based interventions in, a thera in therapeutic settings change the trajectory of disease? As our understanding of the connection between humans, their microbes, and the environment continues to evolve, we may begin to see all life through a holistic and symbiotic perspective and learn to integrate strategies that honor the interconnectedness of all things. How wonderful, how wonderful a world would that be? Meanwhile, what pops into my mind as a nutritionist is that meal I'm telling you to have, well, go have a picnic with it in some green space. Go eat it in the outdoors, weather permitting, of course, so you can enjoy your meal and enjoy the green space. Then take a nice long walk, maybe even enjoy some forest bathing like I do out on the East End. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. 
Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky, over-the-counter, or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hoppe with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals. Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. This is Layla Mudin, RD. I see patients regularly along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.